The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gam Podcast are now presented by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgampodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast from the Sports Gam Podcast. Now, it is currently early Wednesday morning, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should have specified it's May 10th, but either way, should be a fun episode. Time for the Futures Dash Outright Preview episode for the Masters 1000 event taking place in Rome. Should be fun. Before we actually get into any of that, do want to recap how we did on the last episode Overall, did decently. Ended up splitting the lock and the dog. Pretty rough beat there on the lock. We had Struff over four and a half aces, and he finished with four. Went three sets, had a bunch of service games, but unfortunately for us, he only landed 51% of his first serves. And as a result, the ace count was a little bit low because he had to use a lot of second serves instead of first serves. But we did win the dog. We had Struff plus five and a half games at even money, and that was never in doubt. Very competitive match. Alcaraz got it done. And Struff, despite losing, did fight valiantly and unfortunately came up a bit short. There was a bit of controversy involved with the match, though, because there were some people complaining about how often they were watering the court in Madrid. And the fact is, since they were constantly watering it, it was making the court slower, which in theory would benefit Alcaraz to try to uh, slow down the Struff serve. I'm not saying I fully agree with that theory, but that was something that was kind of bouncing around Twitter. And I can understand the argument if they were water in the court more than most. On the other hand, it's also the final of the event. So you do want it to be played under good quality clay. So I can understand both arguments, but in theory, slowing the courts would give Alcaraz an edge. I'm not saying that's why he won the match, because once again, he was around a minus 1800 favorite going in. But I thought it was fascinating. That was a complaint that was going around, and I kind of wanted to share that. But either way, ended up splitting the lock and dog picks. However, did win the outright. We had Alcaraz to win the event at minus 110. Not going to take a victory lap for it. We gave out the favor to win the event. But once again, I feel like a lot of people keep trying to chase some long shot underdogs, which we're going to give a flyer here and here and there. But for the most part, when it comes down to the clay tennis year, or I should say the clay events right now at this portion of the year, with Djokovic being at below 100% with the arm injuries and the fact that he wasn't even there in Madrid, I was going to have to go with Alcaraz because he's kind of destroyed the entire tour so far this year. He's only lost two matches, and because of that, I'm going to give him out, and when he wins, he wins. And if not, then I know it's not going to sound like the flashiest underdog pick, but you still won, and I feel like giving out Alcaraz was kind of an autoplay since he was the defending champion, was in his home country, and once again, it was a pretty limited field since Djokovic and Nadal were not in attendance. However, that's going to segue us into the Italian Open because this will be the first tournament this year, as crazy as it sounds, to have Djokovic and Alcaraz in the field together. So this should be a very star-studded event. And now, of course, Nadal is still not going to be in attendance, and you still have to wonder when he will be making his return. But you have Alcaraz and Djokovic in center uh, all together. You have Rune as well, Sitsipas, Medvedev. You have a lot of high-quality players and definitely should be exciting. After last week's Masters 1000 event, really felt more like a 500 because of how many players ended up dropping before the event. But anyway, time to actually get into the odds here 
for the outrights. We're going to start off with the outrights for the overall tournament, then we'll get into the actual outrights for the quarters. I'm just going to read it out. We'll do the quarters first in terms of breakdown. But starting off with the favorite, you have Alcaraz, not a surprise, at plus 130. Djokovic is plus 333. You have Sinner at plus 650. You have Rune at 11 to 1. You have Tsitsipas at 20 to 1. You have Medvedev at 25 to 1. Zverev at 28 to 1. Rude at 33 to 1. Rublev at 40 to 1. You have Nori at 50 to 1. Felix at 50 to 1. Kashanov at 50 to 1. Uh, you have Fritz at 50 to 1. And that's basically it. If you want to take a flyer with Fakina at 66 to 1, or like Herkaz at 50 to 1, or whatever, be my guest, but that will not be me on the show. Point is, once again, star-studded field. You know what that means? I'm going to pick one of the favorites to win because this is the ATP. If you want to take a series long shot, try the WTA. But recently, that has not been the case because you constantly see the likes of Sabalenka and Rabakina and Swiatek kind of dominating the circuit right now on the women's side. But the point is, if you want to go for some long shots, Masters 1000 events, probably not your best bet because it is pretty top-heavy based on the historical winners. And to go through the historical winners, now, of course, it's going to be a little bit, I don't want to say useless, but it's going to be less important than other tournaments because it is a clay event, it's a Masters 1000 event, which means one thing, you have a bunch of Nadal victories here, which mean nothing for this event because Nadal is not going to be playing this year. But Nadal's won this event 10 times. And to go through the winners, you have Djokovic winning last year against Tsitsipas in the final. You have Nadal beating Djokovic the year before that in three. Djokovic beat Schwartzman in 2020. Nadal beat Djokovic. Nadal beat Zverev. Zverev beat Djokovic. Murray beat Djokovic. Djokovic beat Federer. Djokovic beat Nadal. Nadal beat Federer. Nadal beat Djokovic. Djokovic beat Nadal. Nadal beat Ferrer. Nadal beat Djokovic. Djokovic beat Warenka. You get the point. I can keep going. The point is you see a lot of Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, mostly Djokovic and Nadal, and it's not a surprise because they were the two best players in the world, uh, especially on clay. No offense to Federer. I know Federer was a pretty good clay player, but I think that Djokovic and Nadal were probably levels. Nadal, obviously, the best clay player of all time, but I do think Djokovic was a level above Federer on clay throughout their careers. So the point is, this is a pretty top-heavy event based on the history. And you have a couple of other guys who won, I mentioned before, Zverev and Murray. Both of them were healthy back then. Murray was a top-five player in the world in 2016, and Zverev was an up-and-comer, but he was able to really burst onto the scene quickly and became a top-ten guy relatively fast. And we knew how good he was on clay, especially in two out of three uh, set events. But the point is, if you're going to take a long shot, be careful. Uh, limit your actual bet size, I'd say. Now, you could potentially go for a miracle draw like a Struff from last week, and you pray he gets deep enough to hedge. But once again, Struff made it all the way to the final, ended up getting through as a lucky loser through every round before the final, and yet it was still minus 1,800 to hedge. Now, I know that it was around, I'm sure it was around 100 to 1 or 150 to 1 to actually win the event in the first place. But the point is, there's really not much value taking a serious long shot here because of how deep the draw is going to be. So as a result, I do think early on, at least just to state this publicly, I will be going into this event predicting a decent amount of the favorites or at least having them to make deep runs in the bracket. You might have a Cinderella sprinkled in there, here and there. Maybe I'll give out a long shot, but I'll give out a long shot for odds with a high-quality player. I'm not going to give out a Musetti 
or a Fakina or a Dimitrov or a Tiafa, like none of those guys. If I'm going to give out a long shot, it would be probably somewhere in the realm of like a Rublev at 40 to 1 because I know that he can win a Masters 1000 event on clay because he did it in Monte Carlo. And I know that he also is a top 10 player in the world. Those are the kind of long shots I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a Struff Cinderella run guy who's not even in the top 20 to make a serious run. I'd look for odds and take a shot with probably a top 10 guy and go from there. But anyway, to go through the actual quarters for this event, and starting off with the first quarter, you have Djokovic as the even money favorite. You have Rune at three to one. You have Nori at 10 to 1, Felix at 11 to 1, Dimitrov at 16 to 1, Diminor at 16 to 1. Uh, you have Kikmanovic at, at 16 to 1, Murray at 25 to 1. Shout out to him for winning a challenger event, by the way. I know that it's a challenger, it's not the same, but still nice to see him winning an event. You have Korda at 28 to 1, and he has not played much tennis since getting injured earlier this year, but that's kind of going to sum it all up. I think, simply put, it's a pretty top heavy quarter. Uh, Djokovic would be my pick now. The concern is the injuries and really just the form because he hasn't exactly been that great on clay this year and he has been a little bit, uh, I'd say, below 100% with the elbow or arm issue which ended up plaguing him in that match which he lost to Lahovic and then he ended up not showing up for Madrid because of the injury. So hopefully the extra week or so off gives him a bit more of... Uh, I'd say a fighting, I don't want to say a fighting chance because once again, he might be the greatest player of all time, but I'd say a realistic chance of making a serious title run because we've seen him over the past couple of weeks and Djokovic has looked nowhere near the guy that he's used to being. And if he's going to look as, I'd say, underwhelming for his standards as he has in previous weeks, he's not going to win the event. So I do hope to see Djokovic at full strength and I do think he should look sharper with him taking the extra week off or so to fully rehab and we'll see how he looks as a result. But to go through his actual draw for the quarter, Djokovic has a bye in the first round. Then he's facing off against Van Asha, who actually took him to three sets a couple weeks ago, or Echeverry. I'm assuming Echeverry, but the point is Djokovic could have a somewhat difficult match in the round of 64. Uh, but then he has a matchup against either Ivashka, Warenka, or Dimitrov. I'm assuming it's Dimitrov. I'll give it to Djokovic, but Dimitrov has given Djokovic some problems in the past. Hasn't won many matches, but he has made some matches competitive. And if you remember, we did take Dimitrov plus the games in the Australian Open against Djokovic. Wasn't easy, but he did cover. So the point is Djokovic has, given, uh, has been given some issues by Dimitrov in the past. So we'll see how that potentially shakes out. But besides that, though, once again, Djokovic is going to be favored in every match in this quarter, including the matchup, um, the matchup against Rune in the quarters in theory, but I do think I'm going to play this pretty top-heavy. I'm not going to take Murray at 25-1. to 1. You might be tempted to because he just won a title. Once again, it was a challenger. He beat Tommy Paul in the final. I've roasted Tommy Paul's clay skills for a while on the show. That means nothing to me. So congrats to Murray for winning, but I'm not going to pick him to make a deep run at 25-1. to 1. Korda is an interesting option, but once again, with him playing limited tennis for the last couple of months, I'm not going to pick him. I do think I'm going to stick with the main two guys of Djokovic and Rune. Nori, I know he's been decent on clay, but recently has not been great. Felix has been underwhelming. Dimitrov, I don't trust. Uh, Diminor is interesting at 16 to 1, but I think I'm going to pass. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty top heavy. Give me Djokovic and Rune in the first quarter. Rune, you can argue, might struggle with fatigue, but he did lose relatively early on. 
in Madrid, so he could be a little bit a little bit more rested for this event. But he does have a bye in the first round. Then he's facing off against either Juan Manuel Sarundolo or Phils. Then a matchup against either Kekmanovic, Murray, or Fognini. So I'll let Kekmanovic and Murray and Fognini kill each other. And then Rune should end up facing off against one of them in the lighter stages of the event. But I think Rune and Djokovic are easily the best two clay players here. So give me Djokovic and Rune to win the first quarter. Moving on to the second quarter, you have Sinner at plus 110. You have Rude at 5-1. to one, You have uh, Kachanov at 11-1. to one, you have the other Sarandolo at 11 to 1. Dejir at 16 to 1. Green at 16 to 1. Tommy Paul at 16 to 1. Dezan Schulp at 20 to 1. Baez at 20 to 1. Kachin at 25 to 1. You get the point. So I do think this also will be a little bit more of a top heavy quarter, but I don't see much value on Sinner at plus 110. I know it's taking place in Italy, so he does have the home country advantage, but Sinner has been solid on clay. The issue is it does seem like at times the unforced error count gets a bit large and he has struggled a bit in some of the bigger of uh, bigger matches so far in the calendar year. And I do think he could potentially be an upset alert. I understand plus 110. It is appealing. He didn't miss last week, so I'm hoping that he's healthy. But you're looking at his overall draw. It's not bad. Like, he has a bye in the first round. Then he's facing off against either Munar or Kokonakis. Then either Greek Spore, Baez, or Varias. So you're kind of just assuming that Sinner's going to make a relatively deep run here. But I do think the player that I'm looking at for value is going to be a guy that actually won a Masters 1000 event in doubles last week. It's going to be Kash- uh, It's going to be Kashanov. I think 11-1 to 1 is a good price for him. And I do like his draw. You're looking at Kashanov. He has a bye. Then a matchup against Nakashima or Bereri. I think Kashanov wins that comfortably. Then either Gasquet, Yibbing, or Sarundalo. I'm assuming Sarundalo, but I do think that Kashanov is in better form than those than those guys. And then a matchup against Sinner, potentially. But I think 11-1 to 1 on Kashanov is pretty tempting. He's been playing good tennis. I'm not going to roast him for losing to Alcaraz in Madrid because... Basically, everybody lost to Alcaraz because he won the event. And Kashanov was competitive in that match. So I do like the current form. Uh, the fact that he won a doubles event with Rublev is kind of fun. But I do like the fact that he's been playing good tennis. And I do like the fact he's played doubles because I have criticized Kashanov's net skills re- in the past. And I think that could definitely help out his singles game in the future. But 11-1, to 1, I think is pretty tempting. I do think I will end up giving out center because I do like the overall draw plus 110 but I am tempted by the flyer there with Kashanov at 11-1 to 1 based on his current form and based on the fact that I do think that his draw is quite favorable. But anyway, moving on to the third quarter. I don't have anybody else in the second quarter. Rude, I'm out on. I've tried time and time again. I can't keep doing it to myself. I know Dejir just also won a challenger event. He ended up beating Shelton in the... I'm trying to remember if that was the final or if that was the semi. But I know Dejir ended up winning a challenger event on clay, so congrats to him. But I am concerned a little bit about fatigue, same reason why I'm a little bit low on Murray in this event. Not to mention the fact that he's going from a challenger circuit to an ATP event. And actually, I take it back. He did not win the final. Uh, Dejir actually lost in the final to Umber. Apologies there. I thought that he won. He did not. I saw he was up a set, and I thought he closed it out. He did not. So Dejir made it all the way to the final, then lost, and then has to... Uh, circle back to play an ATP event. However, that was on the 7th. Now it is the 10th, so we had a couple days off, so we'll see how he fares. But I thought this year won. Apologies. Uh, but anyway, the point is, I do think Sinner is in a good spot with the draw to make a deep run. 
I do think Kashanov is too, so I will give out those two guys for the second quarter. Moving on to the third quarter, this is the most up in the air quarter because the favorite is four to one. You have Zverev at four to one, Medvedev at four to one, Rublev at five fifty, Fritz at seven fifty, Herkaz at seven fifty, Fakina at eight to one, Batista Gut at twelve to one, Jari at fourteen to one. Howells at 25 to 1, Marias at 25 to 1, Rusavori at 25 to 1, Volcana 28 to 1. I'm reading off a lot of names because once again, this could be the most open quarter. And I think it is the most open quarter just by process of elimination. I think it's definitely going to be the most up in the air one. Now, Zverev's the favorite. Do I understand it? In theory, yes, because he did win the title here in 2017 and he was the runner up in 2018. However, This is not 2018, so I really don't care. I'm not going to give out Zverev at plus 400 because I don't trust him. And so far in this event, I have done, or I should say this year, I've done quite well of not including Zverev in basically any outrights, and it's worked out well for me. But he has a decent path early on, matchup against Golfen or Nardi in the second round because he has a bye in round one. Then he'd face off against either Herkaz, Hallis, or Wolf. I'm assuming Herkaz, maybe Hallis, but the point is Zverev, I don't think it's a given to actually win that match. And if he does, he's a matchup against probably Medvedev. Keep an eye on Rusevori, though, and maybe Marias. But the point is, we have seen Medvedev beat uh, Zverev in a couple of these marathon matches, including a clay match uh, a couple of tournaments ago. So the point is, I don't think Zverev should be plus 400 here. I think he should be closer to like 7-1, to just based on the fact that, once again, he has not made any deep runs this year. So why would I put faith in him to make a deep run in this event? Medvedev at 4-1, to I could be talked into, but I really don't like the draw early on. Medvedev's been better on clay this year. He's still not a great clay player, but he has a matchup against either Rusevori or Umber out of the gates then maybe Zapata Marias. I think he should beat Marias, but the point is Rusevori did have Alcaraz on the ropes in Madrid, and I do know he's a very good player. It would not surprise me if Rusevori made a somewhat surprising Cinderella run here if you want to take a flyer, but facing off against Medvedev in the second round is probably not ideal if you were going to take a flyer, but once again, Rusevori for the odds is 25-1 to to win the quarter. I've seen worse long shots at 25-1 to to win a quarter, but moving on, to where I'm going to go for this quarter. I do have to at least be tempted by Rublev. I know that his form recently has been a little bit up in the air, but he did win a Masters 1000 event on clay. We know how good he can be on clay. And his draw is not bad. As a buy in the first round, facing off against either uh, Napolitano or Molkan, probably Molkan in the second round. Molkan's good on clay, but I trust Rublev to get it done. Then probably Fakina, which would be a tough match, I'll admit it. But then he has a matchup against either Batista, Gut, or Fritz most likely in the next round. So I think that that's actually pretty reasonable uh, for a draw. I think I'm going to go with Rublev at plus 550. I like the value there, and I do think based on his current form... He's been a bit up and down, but I know what the ceiling is for Rublev, and you can make an argument with Medvedev's struggles on clay in his career and with Zverev's struggles since the injury that he suffered. Rublev probably has the highest upside of anybody in this quarter, and you're getting him at 550, so I'll take that. Fritz is tempting as well at 750, who's randomly been solid on clay. I didn't think Fritz would actually look good on clay, but he has. The issue is the draw. He would have a matchup against either Hoffman or Jari in the second round, and that could be a tie-break fest, so keep an eye out for that one. Then either Batista Agut or Kecinato. 
or McDonald in theory. But the point is, it's not the easiest draw for Fritz. So keep an eye out for that. But I do think you can make an argument that Fritz has the talent to make a somewhat deep run here. Uh, Herc has, I mentioned before, I'm not sold on him. I'll let him and Zverev go at it. But I do think the main guys I'm going to look at would be Rublev at 550 and Fritz at 750. If I want to take a long shot flyer, I would consider Rusevoria 25 to 1. Maybe Hallis at 25 to 1 if you really don't trust Herkaz because he's gone to a bunch of tiebreakers so far this year, and including Clay, but I'm really not sold in his Clay skills. Hallis has shown me every now and then that he can make a deep run. So maybe keep an eye out for him, but I'm not sure if he could actually pull this off. But once again, I'm kind of just guesstimating some long shots. But I do think if I was going to pick the two main guys, it would be uh, Rublev and Fritz, and they'd have a collision course at some point in the event. Uh, so that would end up being annoying, watching them potentially eliminate each other. But based on where the value lies, and the value is probably on those two guys. If you want a serious long shot for the fun of it, which has probably no chance of hitting, catch an auto at 40 to 1. I've seen worse long shots. Decent draw early on, matchup against Wolf in the first round. Uh, sorry, matchup against McDonald in the first round. McDonald, we know, is a little bit underwhelming on clay. Then a matchup against Batista Agut, who is past his prime. I've mentioned this before. Still a good player, but I do think Kechinato could, in theory, beat him. And then, you know, you can see what happens from there. But 40-1, to 1, I don't mind. Maybe that's worth a flyer. But once again, the main two options, Rublev and Fritz. And moving on to the final quarter in this event, we're going to be looking at one that should be Pretty fascinating. Uh, let me just see quickly if I have odds on it because this thing is act the scroller is acting up on me for a second. Sorry. Uh, so the fourth quarter, you have Alcaraz at minus two twenty five, Sitsipas at plus five fifty, Musetti at fourteen to one, Tiafo at sixteen to one. Yeah, I don't really care to be honest. I'm taking Alcaraz. I mean, how am I not supposed to take Alcaraz? He owns Sitsipas. I don't think Musetti's going to beat him. Musetti's been a bit hit or miss lately. Really, all year long. But Alcaraz has been a freight train this year. Once again, he's only lost two matches. I'm obviously not going to pick against him here. As I go through the actual draw, though, for Alcaraz, it is quite favorable. He has a bye in the first round, then a matchup against either uh, Ramos Vinolas or Pizarro, then a matchup against either Laheshka or Mautit or Morozin, Morozian, uh, who's a qualifier. So the point is Alcaraz basically has a bye for the first couple rounds. His toughest match on paper is arguably Chorich in the first handful of rounds. It's really just a cakewalk of a draw. So I'm going to let Tsitsipas deal with Musetti and potentially uh, Tiafo. We'll see who he, who actually faces. Maybe Lahovich in the second round, which isn't exactly easy either. So give me Alcaraz here at minus 225. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Give me the player in the best form right now on clay at minus 225 in a in a cupcake draw. So once again, my recap for the quarters, give me Alcaraz to win the fourth quarter at minus 225. Give me Rublev at plus 550 and Fritz to, at plus 750 to win the third quarter. Potential long shot there on Rusevori at 25 to 1. Uh, besides that, looking at... Uh, Kashanov at 11 to 1 to win the second quarter along with Sinner at plus 110. And first quarter, give me Djokovic at plus 100 and Rune at plus 300. And now time for the actual outrights for the overall tournament. Alcaraz, I got to give him out again. 
I just mentioned how easy his quarter is. He should cruise into the semis. He's won back-to-back titles on clay for the past couple weekends. Give me Alcaraz a plus 130. Djokovic is fascinating because he is even money. I do think that his draw could be a bit difficult. I think I have to pass on Djokovic, and I know he's been so good here. And plus 333 is pretty tempting for Djokovic, who, once again, is one of the best players of all time. But until I see him look extremely sharp on clay with the arm injury that he's been dealing with, I think I have to pass. Like, I'm really just not sold on his current form, and we'll see how he fares. But the draw is a bit difficult. I think he'll get through it. But I do wonder if he gets through it and then faces off against Alcaraz, potentially, later in the event, is he going to have enough in the tank? I'm not sure. So I think I'm going to pass on Djokovic just based on current health status. Uh, Moving on, I do think you can make an argument that there is a little bit of value on a long shot with Rublev and maybe plus 4,000. Do I think he's going to win the event? No. But maybe uh, Kashanov at 50-1. to I don't hate either, but those are once again going to be some long shots. I think I'm going to stay away from Kashanov to win the event, though. I think he's got a ceiling. His ceiling is probably the semis uh, where he tends to lose if he ever makes deep runs in these type of events. But I do think my main picks here for the event are going to be Alcaraz, a plus 130. And I probably will lean to Sinner at plus 650. It's annoying because we know that Sinner can come up short in some big moments. But I do think at the end of the day, Sinner in his home country has some value. And I do think that he still plays well on clay. He just had a couple issues choking in some matches there, uh, mostly against like Rune, for example. But it's going to be pretty chalky for me. I'm going to lean to Alcaraz at plus 130. I'll take center at 650. I think I'm going to skip Djokovic. If he wins it, I'll be annoyed at myself, but I don't think I can take him currently based on form. Rune is in Djokovic's quarter, which is annoying, so I think I'm going to pass there too. Uh, yeah. So once again, Alcaraz at plus 130, Sinner at plus 650, Rublev at plus 4,000, and I think that's basically it. So that's going to wrap it up for the quarters and the title outright. So now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the matches taking place on Wednesday and Thursday. But before we get into that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off deal, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. They also offer the most insane protection all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on the day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after purchase if you don't love them exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days there's no risk when you shop with shady rays their team always has your back go to shaderays.com and use the code sgpn for 50 off two pairs of polarized sunglasses then take your receipt to sportscampodcast.com shady for your chance to win the 500 shady may contest we're also brought to you by talkify are you having a hard time meeting great people to date why do you keep trying the same things over and over again when you're set up to fail It's time to say goodbye to swiping and bring back the human touch to dating with Talkify. Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve relationship success. Their trusted compatibility specialists hand-select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively. And on top of that, Talkify is committed to finding your match 80% 
of clients met their person within the first 12 matches. And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash SGPN. That's Talkify, T-A-W-K-I-F-Y.com slash SGPN for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com slash SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the outrights and futures for the Italian Open. Now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog picks for the matches. Starting off with the lock, we're going to go back to All Reliable, a play that we have not given out for a while, but we did well with it in the past. We're going to hop back on the Fade Schwartzman bus. We're going to take Arnaldi on the money line at minus 160. Simply put, he's in much better form. He had a pretty decent uh, showing in Madrid, got through qualifying, ended up beating Rude in straight sets, and lost in three sets to Munar. Uh, Torn before that, had a decent showing against a couple of decent opponents as well at Barcelona. I mentioned that he lost to Munar in Madrid. He did beat uh, Munar in Barcelona. So the point is, he has been showing some quality results on clay lately at the ATP level. Schwartzman, not so much. Uh, To go through his results, he's lost three straight matches. He destroyed Yibing in Barcelona, then got killed by Sinner, then faced off against Grenier. In Madrid, lost that one in straight sets, and then faced off against Bellucci in a challenger event and lost in his first match there, too. So, Schwartzman's having a hard time at winning clay matches in challenger events. And you have Arnaldi, who once again is in good form, and he's also Italian. So, you have the home crowd advantage. And I'm also going to give this out because I know that it is roughly one in the morning a.m. Eastern time right now on Wednesday. And I know that most of the matches start at five. So, I figured I probably should do all of you a solid and give out the lock for the Thursday card to make sure all of you had time to bet it. So my lock for the show will be Arnaldi on the money line. I'll fade Schwartzman, and that's at minus 160 on DraftKings. And moving on to the dog for the show, uh, it's actually going to be a name we just mentioned. We're going to fade him once again. Uh, we're going to go to the matchup between Yibbing and Gasquet. And for this matchup, we are going to take Gasquet to win in straight sets at even money. Couple reasons why, mainly the fact that Yibbing is a really, really bad clay player. And if you remember, we faded him against Molkan a couple of episodes ago. We took Molkan to win in straight sets, and he did because Yibbing, once again, is really, really bad on clay. Gascado's been pretty good. Now, this match will be taking place on Wednesday morning, so roughly five hours from now. But looking at Gascado's current form, He's been okay. He lost in a marathon match to Herkaz, no shame in that. Uh, beat a Spanish qualifier in the first round or a wild card, 6-2-6-1, uh, the match before that. Had a disappointing loss to Dezumer, but Dezumer did have a bit of a home crowd advantage there in Banjaluka. Uh, beat Prismich in the first round there. Had a couple of hit-or-miss moments on clay, but Yibing has been a mess on clay. Uh, to go through Yibing's results here... He has really been underwhelming since he won the title in Dallas, but on clay, lost to Mulcan in straight sets, lost to Schwartzman in straight sets, lost to Schwartzman again in straight sets in Miami. So, so far on clay, he's 0-2, and he has not even won five games in a single set. He's won less than three games in three of the four sets he's played on clay this season. Gasquet can rally with the best of them. Uh, we know that with the backhand, he's not afraid of unloading and hitting some winners if he needs to. Yibbing's also relatively short at six feet tall, so he's not exactly a great server. I see a lot of long rallies here, but Gasquet is much more comfortable on clay. 
And he's also been in his fair share of Masters 1000 events in his career, where Yibing has not. I think SK wins this one in straight sets. You might have one competitive set in there, but I can see like a 6-4, 6-2 scoreline. Until Yibing shows me anything on clay, I'm going to keep fading him, especially if I get even money on a proven veteran to beat him in straight sets. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. The lock is going to be on Arnaldi Moneyline at minus 160 against Schwartzman, and the dog is going to be on Gascay minus one and a half sets at even money in his matchup against Yibing. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. You can find me on the NBA Gambling Podcast. You can find me on the Tennis Gambling Podcast, obviously. Find me on the NFL Podcast. Also, starting up in roughly a week and a half, WNBA. So you can check that podcast out with Terrell and I. Should be fun. And I'm actually going to be on the MLB show once again on Wednesday. I was a guest host for Tuesday. Now I'm doing it again for Wednesday. So if you want some baseball coverage, find me there. But find me on social media at Rice Show Radio on Twitter. And until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.